Firstly, you want to you want to make sure that your technical co-founder wants the equity, because if they want if they'd rather have the money being a startup, being your sta- your startups sort of share structure, it suggests that they don't really sort of buy the idea that much, or or they do, but they're not maybe not going to have that incentive to sort of really really push it. I think the amount of equity you need to give away depends on your own sort of qualifications and experiences versus uh, your technical person's how far along your idea is. So if it's literally just an idea, you're going to have to give more equity away because they're taking on more risk. The Doctorpreneurs Podcast with James Gupta and Dr. Greg Goodman. Transatlantic perspectives on the latest and greatest topics in healthcare innovation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Doctorpreneurs podcast with me, James Gupta, and Dr. Greg Goodman. James, I'm really excited. Episode number six, it's all about getting technical. Yes. So we figure a lot of people ask both of us how once you've got an idea, how do you actually get it out there and and get someone to to build a product, if that's a website or an app uh, or something else. So this episode is about getting technical. We're going to look at some different ways people go about getting technical talent on board their team, whether that's learning how to code yourself and getting your hands dirty, finding a technical co-founder or working with something like an agency or an outside developer. Lots to talk about and hopefully something that we've both got a few insights on. Before we jump into this week's topic, I've uh, got some exciting news. We've got our first sponsor um, for the podcast and a partner with Doctorpreneurs. We're proud to be working with Wired Health. Uh, this is a tech and health conference taking place on April 29th in London, run by the guys at Wired. It looks like a really amazing event, full of fantastic speakers and opportunities for startups, exploring all aspects of medical technology, including wearables, molecular medicine, and big data. Uh, I believe they're also going to broadcast the world's first VR surgery. So it's going to be a huge event. Um, if you're even remotely interested in this field, it'll be well worth checking out. And as a Doctorpreneur's listener, you can get 10% off the ticket by entering the code WHDOC49 when you go to check out. So just Google Wired Health 2016 and it will come up. Hopefully see some of you down there. I'm super pumped. As you said, I mean, everybody's trying to build you know, things online, whether it's an app, whether, you know, it's a website, it's a really exciting time, I think, in healthcare to, you know, move your idea from, you know, your brain onto the computer or onto the application, you know, platforms and, and really expanding and scaling the concepts. Yeah, because the, uh, the best idea in the world, obviously, is, is just an idea until you actually build it, right? That, that's right. Do you, want, do you want to ignite us this week, James? Yeah, I was going to let you do it. I think you found this quote. So do you want to? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go ahead and uh, you know, do the Ignite section. So this is uh, somebody that many of you will be very familiar with, Bill Gates, the co-founder of Microsoft. His quote is, be nice to the geeks. You'll probably end up working for one. So I, I think it's a great quote as you kind of build and translate your ideas or kind of move through your, your entrepreneurial journey, finding and working with the geeks or the you know the technologists and, and and having them as friends and colleagues to help you along the journey i think is so important yeah uh yeah definitely uh geeks are people too i guess is a message there <laughs> and, and um, be, be nice to everyone that, right a total geek myself by the way geeks okay. and nerds right if you're listening we we, we love you yeah and, and and we are all geeks and nerds so getting technical translating your idea we're roughly gonna, we're going to go through 
three different options here shoot around some thoughts so the three ways you can get technical talent on board your team is you can either learn how to do it yourself for sort of learning a programming language and uh, learning how to set up servers and that kind of thing uh, you can hire someone as a co-founder to come on board that means you give them a percentage of your company and they'll work with you as another leader in the team but working in more of a technical capacity or you can ha pay to hire a developer uh, without giving your company away and they'll work to a specification that you provide. My own background, started programming a few years ago before I started uh, doing it in a business capacity. So I learned how to do that. And that let me get a basic version of um, some of my apps out. And we, I've also got some experience being the technical co-founder and working with agencies as well. Uh, I know, Greg, you've, you don't program yourself, but you've obviously, you know, been launching tech related products and have found a way to get that talent on board. Do you want to talk us through how you did that? Yeah, yeah. So I don't code. I'm I'm not as uh not as smart as James at least in the uh, the technical capacity and you know never never got in the trenches um in terms of you know building and you know learning the coding language. But I do have some experience both with you know some of my early stage you know ventures thinking about getting technical talent on my first company, I actually, you know, hired some co-founders out of Massachusetts Institute of Technology, as some of you in the states might know as MIT, and that was a really big learning curve. I, you know, hired, you know, fr freshmen. I thought it would be a great summer project. I had this really cool idea. Little did I know that, you know, for the most part, they wanted to hang out for the summer and uh, get paid. So, so figuring out, I, I think. You know, on the other end of things, I had the opportunity, you know, at the last company I worked with to have a team of, you know, 40 technical, you know, folks, including, you know, programmers, lead developers. And we can kind of go into some of this, some of the design people, the UX, UI people on the project management side. So helping you to take and build out the, uh, the components of, you know, what it takes, you know, that app that's really cool. You have to break it down into the different components and think about, you know, the feature set and really kind of get pretty technical in terms of, you know, what's important and what's not important. James, I don't know if you want to go through some of the, you know, some of the just different facets of on the coding side of things, how to how to think about, you know, if you want to if you want to join it and, and learn how to code, what, what would be some options there? And then, you know, on the more technical side, working I can we can go back to working with some you know technical people being more of the you know physician on board. Yeah, sure. Okay, so let's start off on the uh, the DIY route and uh, and take it from there. Um, if you want to learn to code, a lot of people ask me how to do it. I'd, I'd really recommend doing it personally because it's something that I really enjoy doing. I've got a bit of a knack for it. it. It seems to be quite in line with whatever way my brain works. I like the logic behind it. It teaches you about the way computers sort of think and understand stuff which is just helpful in in various capacities in the modern world it just gives you an appreciation of sort of what's possible and what's not and there's lots of different areas around it so there's the, the core programming which involves learning a language that you use to write uh, your code in but then there's a lot of other aspects which aren't as traditionally thought of as computer science that are involved in making an app or website such as the design behind it uh, the copywriting that, that's involved in it how you sort of run it at scale the experience and how you want people to feel and how you make it easy to use and that kind of thing so there's a whole bunch of different aspects that go into designing a product like this and if you're the founder and you've got a specific vision or you know what problem you're trying to address the advantage of being able to do it yourself in the early days means that 
you end up with something that's as close to your original vision as possible and it lets you be sort of really quick and adaptive to changes so it's a really good route to go down if you've got the time to do it and if programming something that you end up enjoying disadvantages are that it does take a long time to do well it's it's not for everyone some people just won't enjoy programming and if, if you don't enjoy it you, you're not going to have that passion driving it your, your first few products as with any new skill you'll they're unlikely to be really great uh, technically they're likely to have bugs and sort of be slow and you know less well polished than usual which you can get away with in the early days if you're testing your idea but when you want to start really getting investment or getting lots of users on board your technical skills will have to grow at a rate quite fast yeah if you're looking to get started then check out things like code academy and treehouse online that will give you sort of interactive coding scenarios which is a really good way to get started don't know if you've got any thoughts on that greg one of the things you mentioned there, which is important, is figure out what kind of person you are. You, you know, I, I know personally, as much as, you know, I, I took a coding course in high school and it just wasn't for me. You know, it wasn't something that I was incredibly passionate about. I was more, you know, interested in, you know, the big ideas and more of some of the business side of things versus, you know, getting down in the code. I was more frustrated when, when I had bugs than excited to solve them. So, I, I think that's the that's first a good, kind of... That's a good litmus test, actually. Yeah. If you, if you spend 10 hours uh, trying to hunt some stupid bug in your code and you realize that it was something simple all along, if you in, if the if the sort of rush that you, you get from doing that or if you even get a rush, then it's probably for you. If you just think I've wasted sort of 10 hours and now I'm tired and I'm going to be tired for the rest of the day, then maybe it's for someone else. I think that's a good way to start. Give it a shot. You know, give it a go. See if uh, it's something you enjoy I think it'll give you number one an appreciation, you know, for the talent and skills that go that really goes into the beauty of coding, the appreciation of you know your technical co-founder and some of the challenges they they have. On the other hand, by doing that even just brief test, you know, the litmus test, you know, it'll give you the skills to maybe hire and have some sort of ability to analyze. I think if you're non-technical, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we faced in the early days was how do we evaluate, you know, a, a good technical co-founder? It's like any skill, you know, if you're not very familiar, even if you're going to a doctor, for example, you know, how do you know if they're good or bad, you know, is, is kind of a subjective sense. You don't have a good way to, you know, understand what's important. What would be some of your thoughts, given your technical background, James, how to assess a technical co-founder and what should be some of the qualities you'd be looking for? First, I just totally agree with what you said there. I think it all comes down to even if you if you start coding and you don't like it, but you've, you've built a basic website or you've got this appreciation, it helps you sort of speak on this with the same language as your technical team and sort of communicate the vision more effectively. And you can get an idea even on a high level of how the thing works. Then, you know, you're going to have a better idea of what is and what isn't possible, how long things should take. So, yeah, that would be... Um, a really good first step in terms of hiring someone the things that you need to look out for definitely doing what we've just said would help getting an experience of programming helps you sort of fine-tune the questions that you might ask you're going to want someone who is quite they need to be able to translate your idea and build it into code and that requires a different skill set to just pure programming people who have just come out of like a computer science course for example or if they're just very much 
purely programmers, they may or may not be the people who have the skill set of actually communicating and, and transposing that into a specification. And they may or may not be the, the people who can actually lead a team as your company scales and start delegating work. Definitely when you're hiring a co-founder, remember that you're not just hiring a developer. You need someone who can actually take a, a very abstract idea from you and is going to work with passion behind it. And is going to be, you know, on the end of the phone at 3am when something goes wrong and not just building what you say, but also also thinking of how he can add his own touches to it to improve it and to make it faster, better, more delightful for users. So someone who's really going to be a co-founder and like another equal in your business rather than just a developer that you give the, the technical stuff to, if that makes sense. And one of the things that you mentioned there, which I think is really important if you're thinking about some of the stages, which is you have the idea and the next stage, if you're looking to translate it into an actual product is building out the specifications. And this is where the minimal viable product comes in. And to your point, if you have a really great technical co-founder, they can translate that product into the specs, you know, which are the core kind of feature set, which I think, if, you know, going from, you know, idea to product, there's that next stage in that translation piece. So sometimes it might be helpful to translate, you know, maybe or use a lead developer, you know, or a project manager that understands, you know, the difference between, you know, the actual coder that's grinding out the code versus somebody that's looking at the, you know, the roadmap and, and kind of figuring out what are the pieces to build? What's more important? How do we design the whole product? That vision behind things is really important as you, uh, as you progress and, and, and really build the initial version. Yeah, I, I guess just to, to put that into sort of more concrete terms, I'll give an example behind it. Let's say you've got an idea for a, a diabetes management app for patients and you were looking to get someone on board behind this uh, vision. And your your vision for the product might be something that's uh, much easier to use because it's, it's friendlier. Maybe it's got graphics in for children to help them understand the condition than other things on the market. And it's more secure as well. A developer to actually build that into something needs to know more details so it's not enough to go on to just say that it needs to be secure someone needs to decide what encryption whether should that involve encryption where that encryption is going to be dealt with uh, how the servers are going to manage handling all of this uh, even the legal stuff behind it if you're building something on the user experience side then someone's going to need to make sure you've got a consistent design and what that design is so you need to build them into more sort of concrete points in a larger company you'd have multiple people in separate roles for this. So you'd have a technical big ideas person, someone to develop the specs, someone to project manage, and someone to do the actual code. In a startup, you still need all of those roles. It's just that they might have to be in one or two people because of the size that you're at. Yeah, that's a really great example. You know, in the startup, I guess the goal would be to get your, get that, you know, initial vision out so you can maybe build around and hire some, uh, some additional talent as you grow. One of the questions I have, James, is what do you think about there's some of the outsourcing opportunities, maybe even hiring an agency? What would be your thoughts around that? What's your experience? There's, there's really good agencies. There's not so good agencies. And more importantly, there's, there's agencies that will be right for you and your project and ones that have got sort of different ranges of expertise. Agencies for startups, can be expensive, especially if you're trying to sort of bootstrap it and you've not formally got funding yet. So uh, I'd say to have a basic app or website built by a, a good agency, you're probably talking about 10 to 20, even 30,000 pounds. So about 20 to $50,000. Would that sound about right, Greg? Yeah, that, that's probably on uh, on par exactly to the, uh, to the dollar amount. And then a lot of people maybe could afford that. 
But what people fail to take into account is in the early days of your product, however solid your vision for it is, it's going to change over time as technologies evolve, as you find out more about what your customers actually want, and as you look at offering different services. Once you've got the app out or the website out, that's really just a start. You're going to need continued technical involvement for changes, big and small, bug fixes. And that's when uh, agency costs can really start to rack up because it's not just the one project that you're getting, it's all of these other projects afterwards as well. That is a disadvantage with, with agencies, the sort of ongoing costs and it's the reason why you might look, want to look to get your own team or a, a technical co-founder yeah exactly and it's almost like a short-term solution you know you could get an initial product out but you wouldn't be able to iterate on it you know kind of create additional versions the other option you know is looking at i try and also make this distinction in terms of the experience and talent level you know you can go out and hire you know a really top level undergrad student but they don't have maybe the experience to add some of that further strategic thinking about products you know really thinking about enterprise solutions and you're developing something especially in healthcare it can be very uh, you know require a lot of complicated pieces versus if you're if you're able to you know hire somebody that's raised money that has you know that's been a, a former CTO and they really can get behind the vision and for whatever reason are, are incredibly passionate I think that might be one of the best options in terms of both long term short short term and and in terms of the business in getting your idea out there and having that awesome person next to you to really help advance and iterate as you go. No, that's that, that sounds like a sort of best of both worlds solution. Yeah, if you can give some of your company away, but not too much to sort of incentivize uh, someone with a proven track record to come on and either do it themselves or to manage a team doing it or to sort of help manage an agency for you. Yeah, that would be ideal. I guess that's just all boils down to how good is your idea and how how good is your ability to pitch it? And some of that's going to come down to your reputation as well. So if you're like, um, you know, a renowned sort of expert in your field doing an app, you know, related to your medical field, or if you've got a track record in business before, or if you've got contacts and an ability to get investment, then you pitching your idea to you know, an equally impressive technical guy, he's going to be way more, he or she is going to be way more impressed and likely to come on board your vision if you've got a track record as well. You know, that's just a great point in in terms of, I think if you match your skill sets, you know, if you're in college looking for a college level, you know, equal, it's, it's a good way versus, you know, a top level medical professional, you, you know, and bring a lot of deep expertise into a problem. You might also be able to recruit that top level expert in terms of a technical co-founder. So should we go into the Ask Doctorpreneur? I know we've been talking about this, but drilling down into the steps, right? We, we've kind of spoken about you know a lot of opportunities, a lot of different things. The question this week, which is one of the reasons we're having this technical talk, is what are the steps to hire a technical co-founder? How do you how do you think about it, James, in terms of hiring? Well, in my case, we were, I was just sort of really lucky with uh, I, I was found as the technical co-founder when I, when I made my first website and app. Uh, we sort of kept that ticking over in the background after it, it got you know quite popular. And then two other guys in my university who were looking to do a different app uh, found me through Twitter or LinkedIn, and you know we met up for a few drinks and they sort of pitched the idea to me, and that went really well. I guess reversing that position 
what the, the what the guys who who found me did was you know they looked within their own networks so they were university students obviously they see the university news that's happening and sort of people who were sort of making waves there yeah if you're at a university or um, if you know if you've got connections into university there'll be some great people there who are sort of really good technically and are looking to, you know inspired by the new startups and looking to do one of their own so that'll be a good um, place to look what do you think about other networks greg or just other ways of finding people so there's a few ways there's some of the opportunities to go to you know the events where where you're hacking out concepts you know so the weekend hackathons i don't know if you guys have those in the uk but yeah it, no, you know, right, actually yeah you know it kind of brings together a bunch of people with different skill sets that allows you to go out you know maybe find somebody that's outside of your network uh which can be really helpful I think in addition to that, if you have a friend, maybe you don't want to start the company with him, but maybe he's got some friends that are in the technical circle. Just like, you know, if you're in medicine, you've got a bunch of buddies in medicine, kind of figuring out who that might, you know, that right person might be. LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, really being social, getting yourself out there is great. I think the important thing that I kind of learned through through my process, especially when I was you know, more in the bootstrap early stage, being an entrepreneur in, in the first uh, company was really understanding and getting an assessment done that allowed me to then, you know, outsource it to some friends and say, we put together this really cool technical assessment, you know, with some questions with, uh, you know, we put together a, a group, university, really top level, uh, you know, software engineers, they came up with a really hard technical assessment and then we basically used that as as a way to filter talent and then the next layer was whether or not they you know fit into the culture and caught the vision i think is is really important because you know when you're when you're trying to meet the milestones when you're trying to get that product out there you really want the right person you know that's passionate it's not just coding and and, and i think the passion and the idea is what will really attract you know, top level talent, whatever you do. Yeah, that's just incredibly important because I think when you're dealing with technology products, you're talking about things that are worldwide and sort of global. That means that there's, there's no room for sort of average products in there. Even if you've got a great idea, someone else is going to compete with you for that idea. And literally the best quality app or the most reliable, efficient one is the one that's going to win the market there. In technical, you don't need someone who is just going to get it done. You need someone who's going to take your idea and make it better than, you know, you could think of. With, with adding new features and by sort of really spending a lot of time on the small bits that make a difference. Hugely important because at the end of the day, if you're trying to win, I think everybody on the team's got to be a rock star. And then the other side of things is I think a lot of people have questions about how do you cut the deal? Do you sweat equity? I mean, equity in, in, in you know, if you're getting started, you know, it's expensive, but it might be that your only way to get started if you, if you don't have a huge cash reservoir versus, you know, a mixture of payment. I know you're the technical guy, so maybe I'll ask you, James, what would be more enticing? I'll give you 10% of my company or, you know, I'll pay you up till a few milestones and reevaluate, you know, whether or not from both ends it, it might be a good fit. It's, it's a really good question. And it, you know, it's, it's a decision that everyone is going to have to face at some point. And it, it just totally depends on your situation. So firstly, you want to you want to make sure that your technical co-founder wants the equity. Because if they want, if they'd rather have the money being a startup, being your sta your startups sort of 
share structure it suggests that they don't really sort of buy the idea that much or or they do but they're not maybe not going to have that incentive to sort of really really push it i think the amount of equity you need to give away depends on your own sort of qualifications and experiences versus uh, your technical persons how far along your idea is so if it's literally just an idea you're gonna have to give more equity away because they're taking on more risk but if you've got investors on board and if you've got some clients and sales waiting and things like that, then your idea is further along. So you could get away with giving less equity. A lot of people, I think, generally try and give the technical co-founder less than they maybe ideally should. And I think that comes from not understanding really how much the technical person is going to have to do and the difference between just building the thing and actually really getting involved like your technical co-founder is going to be building multiple versions of your product learning a lot of new things themselves in terms of how to sort of really perfect the experience potentially going to be involved in hiring people and managing teams after it they're going to be the ones waking up in the middle of the night to fix errors you want to make sure that they're properly incentivized so a, a lot of companies would go for a 50 50 split at this point if they're the two are going to be equal if the idea is a bit more developed 10 to 25 percent but it all just depends on the situation and whatever you can get out of the negotiation basically that's litmus test too will they take the equity yes. or not you know how far along are you in terms of the product life cycle i think the other thing that you you bring up and, and i think it's just always so important and i know i brought it up earlier is the appreciation of the technical value i think it, it, it's really important if you're a doctor with a great idea appreciating somebody else's beautiful skills and work and really understanding the value of that and how important that's going to be to getting your product out to your patients and to other people that it can help is really important. Yeah, I think I think some of the a lot of the best programmers that you'll find are the most dedicated people and the ones that sort of make a lot of the really highly successful apps. They don't have loads of sort of qualifications or letters after the name or anything like that because their qualifications is in the things that they've built and the other companies that they've worked for. It's easy to sort of think that there may be sort of like it's easy to forget the value that these guys actually have, you know, because of how popular technology is right now and how fast everything's taking off. Computer sciences and programmers are really high in demand good developers web developers can earn so sort of 600 pounds to a thousand that'd be a thousand dollars a day quite easily you know they need equity to make it worthwhile for them i think if you're looking for the talent in the beginning you really need to have a great great product or great idea to to get on that that incredible talent should we go to a clinic of greatness? Yeah, I just want to give uh, one quick point, actually. Just, I guess the third sort of take-home point would be make sure you get your legals sorted on this. You know, if you're giving someone equity, especially if you're giving them as much as 50% equity, you need to make sure that your company is set up right and there's clear milestones in place. You know, know that, that they only get that equity if they deliver the product, what happens if there's a dispute and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's worth getting a lawyer to... Do that up front. That's right. Don't just do the handshake. That's no good anymore, right? <laughs> uh, no, a handshake deal's good. Like, you know, and I think a lot of people do keep to their word. You know, things happen. You don't want to be in a situation where, and you, you can both, no one can be at fault necessarily, but what if the app's taking way, way longer than expected because of bugs or if something's going wrong that was outside the, the handshake deal's scope of work? You need to have something in writing that you can just both point to, not in an argumentative way and say, look, this is what we agreed to at, at the time. We both sort of said that because otherwise you, you send it with arguments about what was said and what was expected we'll definitely have to have an episode on on medical leave yes uh, yeah, on I guess the so, startup actually. side of things let's get into the clinic of greatness this week is all about simplifying and i know uh for me technical is hard but i think there's other aspects of life that you want to 
simplify. And this has been something that I've tried to bring into my day. And I'm excited to hear your uh, ways you simplify. But I almost eat the same thing in the morning. I have a yogurt. I have to have a coffee, you know, a granola bar. I tend to eat very similar food in the evening. I wear scrubs most days of the week when I can. So I, so my laundry is not very high. But I think something that allows you to be a little bit more creative, spend more time podcasting, spend more time having fun. How do you automate your life, James? Well, I'm going to have to take some tips from you at some point because you, you seem ahead of the game compared to me. But yeah, you're going to be busy doing two things at once. So you've got to find time where you can. I, I tend to eat, I tend to cook in very large portions. I'll make sort of two weeks worth of food in one go and then just sort of live off that for a bit. That saves quite a bit of time. Yeah, just anything I can really to make sort of do laundry faster and just free up time for you know doing things like this, which is both fun to do, but it also helps me you know, bat around new ideas for the business and, you know, build up my network. So yeah, try and sort of life hack, basically. And lifehackers.com is a great website with some tips. I don't know if you go on that. I do go on that every once in a while. But one thing I'm interested in is two weeks of food. What does what the food taste like at day 14? I'm a little worried for you. No, James. no, no. You freeze, you freeze half of it. <laughs> oh, you freeze half of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's, uh, yeah. that's a new life hack. You know, I, I didn't, I, I cooked maybe for a week, but two weeks sounds uh, sounds like a good idea. Um, it's, only, it's only two weeks because that's just the, the biggest pan that I've got happens to the last. The biggest pan. Okay. Maybe we'll have to figure out a month portion and then we can, I cook, you know, two months of food and send a month to you. Yeah, that, that seems like a, that'll be a good transatlantic, transatlantic food delivery service we get going. Exactly. It would be very service. efficient, right? Send us your, your life hack tips and your, your automation tips at Doctorpreneur. Comment you know, down below, we're excited to see, you know, physicians as well as med students. We know you guys have great life hacks in terms of being super productive. It'll be fun to, to start a community around. Yeah, that's simplification, a great idea, automa automation. Yeah, I guess the best thing to tweet those into us. So we're um, at Doctorpreneurs on Twitter. I'm at Gupta underscore James, Gupta, G-U-P-T-A. Greg, what's your handle? My handle is modern underscore MD. You should be able to find me. Yeah, we'd yeah, be send, excited Send us to... in your, your life hacks, uh, whether they're sort of like serious ones, um, a little bit daft or whatever, and we'll retweet the best ones. That sounds cool. We'll have to we'll have to keep life hacking together, James. Yes. Yeah, we will. I'll, I'll send you some good ones when I'm next browsing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, it's, it's a massive topic. I feel like we could have gone more in depth. We want to keep these under an hour because everyone's busy, including us. Uh, if you want any more specifics, feel free to tweet us with questions and we'll maybe discuss um, a more specific area of this and the future show uh, go into a bit more detail feel free to drop one of us a message on twitter if you want to learn a bit more yeah thanks so much and one quick shout out you know thanks everybody for listening you know we're climbing up the ladder of the top medical podcasts according to yesterday's list on itunes we're number 18 i know james and i's goal is to hit number one keep tweeting we're gonna we're gonna hit up there we think physician entrepreneurship is the most important medical topic to revolutionizing healthcare and we're excited for more people to get involved absolutely yeah please uh keep keep leaving a rating that really helps on the store so that other people get an idea of what it's about remember to subscribe so you get the new episodes pushed to you you can listen to them whenever you want thanks so much and we'll speak to you again next week from greg and james thanks for listening we'll be back next week in the meantime remember to subscribe to the show and check out www.drpreneurs.com for more